How successful was the MIT challenge? Written by Scott Young, March 2018. By far the most popular project I've done has been the MIT challenge. Starting now nearly nine years ago, in the fall of 2011, the idea was to learn the curriculum of MIT's four-year computer science undergrad, evaluate myself by trying to pass the final exams, complete the programming projects, and finish in under a year. In simple, straightforward terms, the project was a success. I did what I set out to do, under the constraints I had imposed on myself within my original time limit. However, behind those simple terms rested a lot of implicit assumptions. Now that I've had more time and hopefully some more wisdom between me and the project's completion, I'd like to dig into some of those assumptions and see how well they've held up over time. Whenever you set a goal in life, there's a certain simplification of reality. Say you set a goal to lose 15 pounds. Implicit, although maybe not articulated behind that goal, are a whole host of assumptions. That you'll be healthier, that you'll look better, that the lost weight will be fat. Even behind those are deeper assumptions you may not even be aware of, such as that being fit is an important value in life. Therefore, I think any project can be simultaneously evaluated at multiple levels. There is the explicit level of what you stated you were trying to achieve, but beneath that are many other ideas of success and achievement, some of which you may only realize long after the project is finished. I believe doing this kind of post-mortem, however belatedly, is useful because while highlighting one's successes are fun and easy, it's by looking at how our ideas differed from reality that we get true growth. I also believe that by digging deep and looking at some of my mistakes, I might be able to offer a more comprehensive picture for those who want to do better than I did in the future. How to evaluate. So I can think of a couple ways to evaluate the project beyond simply whether or not I matched my explicit standards and constraints. One would be knowledge and skill. How did the knowledge and skill I acquired during my project compare with an actual MIT student? Did my choice of constraints and standards lead to missing things that were important? Two, rigor and difficulty. How well did my constraints match those of an MIT student? In particular, did my choice of constraints and standards make something much easier than they should have been or some of the accomplishments less comparable to the official setting? Three, outside impact. Did my ideas about what the MIT challenge would mean for other students hold up? On these three bases, I think the first holds up best, the second is debatable, and the third was probably the biggest failure of the project. How successful was the MIT challenge for learning stuff? The most obvious basis for evaluating the challenge was to look at how well it worked for actually learning the material, and perhaps secondly, how these skills extended beyond the scope of final exams and programming projects for the coursework. In this sense, I believe the project was mostly a success. There were departures from the normal computer science curriculum, however these were normally done because to follow the original program strictly would have been impossible. This included things like not having a thesis programming project, doing economics instead of humanities classes, and substituting classes which depended on lab work for more theory-based classes. These deviations likely made my experience different in some ways from an actual MIT student. However, I think for the most part they didn't substantially detract from the experience. I still learned roughly the same volume of material, it was just shifted in some ways to make the project practical. More critically, however, I think are how ways I did the challenge might have impacted my learning of computer science outside what have kind of been easily measured via my system of doing final exams and programming projects. I can see a few places where my approach to this issue may have created problems. First, 
Spacing. By compressing the challenge into one year, I likely did some damage to my ability to retain the material long term versus say a more traditional four year schedule. Now, I did my best to mitigate this during the challenge by taking multiple classes simultaneously. However, I think knowing what I know now about the typical half-life of knowledge learned from formal schooling, I would have been more serious about planning a long-term retention plan the way that I did with my language learning project, which also had a similar weakness. Second, a lack of peer interaction. So during the challenge, I was mostly dismissive of the importance of peers and teachers. I felt this way, rightly or wrongly, because I didn't find those resources very helpful when I did my actual undergrad. However, I think owing to the extremely theoretical nature of MIT's computer science program, the peer effects are likely an important part of the education process at a top school, since they allow students to find out about practical projects, tools, and opportunities that aren't taught in classes. Third, insufficient overlearning of core calculations. I believe my ability to do advanced mathematical calculation and symbol manipulation, algebra, calculus, differential equations, etc., was probably weaker than it should have been. Some of this showed up on the exams, with such classes that had heavy symbol manipulation being some of my worst performing. However, some of it was hidden from that perspective because I was aiming for moderate performance, not overlearning beyond sufficient performance. An actual MIT student, by means of doing many, many assignments past what is necessary, would likely have had better abilities and better long-term retention of those types of abilities than I did. Now, these critiques don't mean that I think I could have necessarily done much better if I had to do it all over again. Rather, they're useful to think about in case you wanted to attempt something similar. In my own situation, I think these trade-offs were mostly warranted. However, someone learning for a different purpose might disagree. So as a contrasting example, Trent Fowler recently did his own year-long engineering computer science program, and it differed from mine in many regards. And one of the interesting ways it did so was a much larger emphasis on practical projects. I'm not quite sure how to compare the two, but it doesn't indicate that there is a large space of possibilities for learning, and my approach of trying to emulate an actual degree program is just one. How successful was the MIT challenge for matching the rigor and difficulty of the real thing? Here my project and the actual degree start to differ substantially. I used a much more limited set of evaluation criteria. I focused on getting a pass, 50% plus, rather than getting as high a GPA as possible. I graded my own exams using a solution key rather than wait for an independent grader to go over them. If the goal of the challenge had been to replicate the difficulty of an MIT degree or to perfectly match the standards of evaluation that MIT used, then the project was doomed from the start. This is clearly not my intention, so evaluating on this basis seems a bit unfair, although perhaps probably worth pointing out to many people who casually observe my project and might think to be misled that I did everything an MIT student would do and got a degree to go with it. However, even within the intention of the project, my goal wasn't to substantially reduce the difficulty or that was intended to measure my performance on the stuff that I had learned. My original idea was that should I clearly fail an exam according to MIT standards, I should have to retake it. I shouldn't be giving myself an easier time just because the material was hard. From this basis, I think I did fairly well, although there are some points of contention. The most major one is how I did the grading. While in almost all cases, I wrote only exams with solution keys I could use to grade later, there often wasn't clear instructions for exactly how to handle the grading. This, like many other aspects of the challenge, required some assumptions to be made about the proper way to do something. Generally, my approach with exams was that any instructions provided, say, explaining the amount of marks provided for a particular answer or allowable materials, such as calculators or cheat sheets you could use in the class, must be followed exactly. 
If information wasn't provided, I did my best to devise what I thought was an acceptable approach, say docking off a certain number of marks for making an algebraic mistake, let's say. For most of the classes, this judgment call wouldn't have made a big difference. However, in some of the classes, particularly those which required long, drawn-out calculations, it could pose a challenge. If an exam had a question worth 10 marks, 10% of the exam, how many points should be deducted because a minus sign wasn't carried over and so the answer wasn't exactly right? Here opinions vary. In my own undergraduate experience, partial marks were very common, indeed the standard. However, some people prefer really strict grading. In that view, any mistake, however slight, all marks should be forfeit, including any follow-up questions that rely on the original result. Now, this wasn't how I graded myself during the MIT challenge, nor the basis I used for deciding whether or not I had passed. So, in the interest of curiosity, I decided to recently go back and see what the outcome would have been if I had applied this extremely strict, as strict as it possibly could be, grading system. So, no part marks. Any a uh, mistake that was made in a multi-part question would not be carried forward, so any further questions that were wrong because of a, a minor error in an earlier question, they also were zero. And under this new ultra-strict grading scheme, my exams passed went from 33 out of 33 to only 27 out of 33. Now, I don't think this is the correct answer using this ultra-strict approach. I still think the original way I evaluated the exams was fair, even though it may not have been exactly the same as another grader would have marked it. However, I think it's worth noting the extent to which these assumptions might change the outcome of certain things. An interesting, if perhaps unfortunate, consequence of the MIT challenge was that many people focused on the presumed impressiveness of it, rather than, as my original hope, the idea of learning a lot of material in a short time with low cost, and some benchmark to university standards. If that impressiveness is grounded in the idea that I did something identical to a real MIT degree, irrespective of the knowledge acquired, then I think the project doesn't really work. This isn't so much a critique of how I did the project, but perhaps what other people make of it. How successful was the idea of the MIT challenge? So my original hope with the challenge wasn't to gain fame as the guy who did this strange project. Rather, I sincerely believed at the time that it was only a matter of time until there were many people doing projects like this, and I really wanted to be the first. In retrospect, this is the biggest area where my thinking was at odds with reality. In the time since I'd done the MIT challenge, I've met a handful of people who have done vaguely similar projects in terms of scope and ambition. However, this is a far cry from it being a stable and recognized alternative to the formal education system. Technology isn't the problem. When I did the challenge, it was before MOOCs existed, before the wave of online courseware and certificates from real institutions. Indeed, many of the deficiencies of my project were a result of the patchwork way I had to do it. Most of the classes only had a fraction of the full material available to an MIT student, so I just had to make do. Today, doing something like the MIT Challenge is even easier. I'll admit, I was an education optimist. I believed that the purpose of school was learning, and if one could get the learning at a fraction of the cost, it would only be a matter of time for institutions and students to follow. I'm now much more of an education skeptic. I largely agree with Brian Kaplan's view that formal education is mostly signaling. This is the view that school doesn't so much teach you valuable skills, but helps filter society by which people are smart, conscientious, and conformist enough to put up with it. This filtering can explain why schools that seem to teach so much useless stuff and yet are nonetheless requirements for almost any good job. That view took me a long time to come around to, mostly because I really love learning the kinds of things they teach in school, and it was particularly true during the MIT challenge itself. 
Although it may sound strange to say it, I genuinely enjoyed most of the project. It was an intellectual puzzle talking about big ideas I could do at my own pace and with my own process. My actual university classes I did during my undergrad, I enjoyed a lot less. However, this signaling explanation for education seems to fit the data, and at least my post-experiment experience, much better than any other I've heard. Now, this doesn't mean that I think learning isn't valuable. It just means that a lot of the education isn't really about learning. The kind of learning which is valuable, both professionally and personally, is often at odds with how school curricula are designed. This is a bittersweet realization because it both affirms the idea of the challenge, that big gains in potential learning are possible, at least in principle, and undermines it because such gains rarely happen because institutionally we mostly pay lip service to the ideals of learning while we really mostly care about filtering people. Shortly after the challenge, I wrote an essay talking about how if my goal had been solely to acquire computer science knowledge and become a better programmer, I might have taken a radically different approach. Much more programming, way less theory. Especially less of the abstruse mathematical subfields which I did more than a few classes on. However, if I had taken the challenge and optimized it solely for acquiring computer science knowledge, it might not have attracted as much attention as it did. In that sense, it may be the elements that caused it to fail at my stated purpose that it ended up allowing it to succeed as its later purpose in helping my career as a writer. Projects which succeed, not in spite of their flaws, but because of them, are a feature I've found in many of the things I've done in my life, even though their paradoxical nature makes them impossible to plan in advance. So what should you think about the challenge? Well, one thing I learned early about writing is that people rarely read the words you write as you intended them. They read themselves between the lines and fill it in with their own imagined realities. This can often be frustrating because people want you to be accountable not only to what you said, but also all the hidden ideas they had of you. In that sense, there's nothing to be done. For some people, they'll like the idea of learning without going to school. Others see the possibility of doing a lot more by rethinking their methods and constraints for taking on a project. Maybe other people just admire the boldness and strangeness of someone who would push himself to grind through coursework and exams full-time for a year without any credentials at the end. For myself, I think the challenge offered me many opportunities, both in my profession as a writer and personally in changing how I think about accomplishing big goals and learning new things. However, despite the unambiguously good things that came from the challenge, I think there's a lot of things I was wrong about or could have done better. In that sense, I hope not that people get inspired by a project I've done or an article I've written and try to do something similar, but that they can also learn from my mistakes and strive to do better than I ever could have done. Thanks for listening to this episode. More episodes like this can be found by searching for Scott H. Young Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Overcast, and most other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider rating my show as it helps other people find out about it. More of my work can be found on my website, scotthyoung.com. Thank you.